boy is fueled like fire. So start melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. He's hot, hot, hot. <laughs> right size, right build, right head, right on. Right on, right on. And he's got something to say to those 50 billion pair of ears out there. Pop it, D-Man. Unbelievable! Wither, ladies, wither! He's gonna set the world on fire! Right here from 527, you know everything there is to know about that demon! His dreams, his desires, his most intimates of intimates. And what I'm looking at? Intimate is this stud muffin's middle name. So tell me, my man, you nervous in the surface? Not really. Freeze those knees, my knees, cause Herb's in the place and he's on the case. And yesterday's frog will be tomorrow's prince of Frostan Paradise. A hotel of a thousand and one follies, lollies, and lickum lollies. A magic fountain floor with non-stop wine, women, and all night long. Licking this damn slippy girlies cause this guy's gonna have you riding home to mama right here from five to seven. I'll be your voice, you know. And I'll be hot on the trail of the sexiest man of the year. D-man, your man. show about movies cinema night pod we've been doing this for a while and we hope that you've been along for most of the ride if you're new to the show that's even better we welcome newcomers michael govier eric branstrom travis roy all veterans of the heartland high school public schools and the general heartland consolidated school district as a whole that has nothing to do with the show but it did bring us together odds are we probably wouldn't be doing the show today if we didn't meet each other way back when am i pete wrong caroselli. pete caroselli we salute you thanks you for make all a strong memories. point you make a strong point. If we didn't know each other, we probably wouldn't be doing this show. That's a good point. <laughs> Pete Caroselli is really funny. Yeah, boy. Uh, that guy looks like he's in the mafia or something, man. He was he's slick, a... biz, something was going I mean, on. He's I bet he's he stole some money. Uh, yeah, I bet he, he skimmed a little bit. I'll throw it out there. Why not? So 
wild accusations out of thirty. Baseless, baseless accusations again about our former superintendent, which for some reason Dude. in our, our school, like he was like a rock star. Everybody fucking loved our superintendent. Yeah. Like he was the coolest guy. Who knew their superintendent in high school and thought he was connected? Harlan Pizza was a total sham. Like the bag of Harlan Pizza, that's where everything happened. That's where all the deals went down for Harlan. The municipalities, the water. I never saw any of that, though. I did, you know, the Chofu brothers, they are Italian and they are intense dudes. Four brothers own that restaurant. Anyways, nobody cares about this. This is the Cinema 9 Pod. Today we're going to talk about the fifth element, Travis's selection. Does it hold up i want you guys to take a moment and consider following the boob tube boys the boob tube boys is a new podcast from my friend van lee he was on my uh, palazzo podcast yesterday he's a really great guy it's a new show where they examine kind of like what we do except they're doing tv shows so it's called the boob tube boys you can look it up and find it anywhere podcasts are available and they do like an episode from one show and they kind of make fun of it and crack some jokes like we do but they always say do this episode hold up or not so they're kind of kindred spirits to us i'd like to recommend right. it well it's very interesting to me that you'd be recommending a podcast uh someone else's podcast being that you have like 30 of your own and hardly ever mention them on this show so that's an <laughs> well, interesting move <laughs> and that's a testament to what a great guy van is i really like him i think i uh, think it's a testament of what a great guy you are sir you. Well, I think it, I think Van would fit right in here. In fact, uh, he loves movies himself. Maybe yeah. someday he'll be on this. Maybe, yeah, maybe a future host, co- a guest host. <laughs> they did an episode on Walker, Texas Ranger recently, and uh, Hercules, uh, the fucking Kevin Sorbo. Yeah. Remember that? Legend, con- Legend <laughs> continues. It's a classic. Yeah, that's some fucked up shit. But anyway, yeah, check that out. So that'll be fun. And yeah, I do stuff too. But you know, this is about us, Travis Roy. It's a beautiful Thursday. It's hotter than fuck, and I'm sure you got the AC rolling at very minimum oh, yeah. in Hazel Park. Absolutely. I I have the AC going. Um, Friends uh, of the show that have been listening to us for some time know that I uh, am a bit of a stickler for name pronunciation, and I would like to uh, give a kudo or at least many kudos to Michael last episode for saying Rick Dukaman. Me and Eric have been saying Rick Dukaman for like fucking what? 41 years of our life. Rick Dukeman. Rick Dukeman. The, the man's name is pronounced Rick Dukeman. But I got to take one kudo away because Neighbors was not the movie with the Seth Rogen movie was not based off of the Jim Belushi movie. That's not a remake. Just for the, the John but, Belushi movie. They never movie, made yeah, it. That's yeah, what yeah. happened, right? No, they did make that John Belushi movie. I'm pretty sure. What they're, they they're, not, they're not connected. They're just both oh, called neighbors. neighbors. They're both called Neighbors. That's that's it. There's no there's no remake there. It's just it's just they're both called Neighbors. It's a reimagining. I, 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 uh, spiritual cousin. It's about two neighbors. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, it's I'll a movie about neighbors, but yeah, you can, you're, 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 you know, you, I fact checked you, fact check me back. You're welcome to do that. Uh, I'm just telling you, I don't, I don't think there's any real connection there, but I would love to be proven wrong because I stand by being proven wrong on a regular basis. It happens to me all the time. Well, that's top cool. five neighbors movies. <laughs> uh, well, uh, burbs, of course. The, bur- the burbs, <laughs> uh, neighbors. Um, uh, honey, I shrunk the kids. Yes, moving. Does that count? <laughs> moving. Oh boy, uh, house that's party. interesting. Uh, all right, I'm gonna look. Uh, thank you for clarifying that. You know, I don't know everything, and usually it was half something I heard once upon a time. But anyways, Eric, you're live in Griffith, Indiana. Uh, summertime's here, buddy. Are you off uh, work? Is it party time? Dude, I've got the whole summer off, and I've never had more energy in my entire life after I started this keto diet. Like, hey, uh, and you're flu free. Coincidence? I don't have the flu. I'm, I'm bouncing off the walls. I'm I'm not sluggish. I'm not like, like it, 
it's fucking fantastic, man. I don't I don't know what to tell you, but it's working for me. I'm well, very glad to hear that. Uh, you know, you texted me about that a couple of weeks ago, and some people have had great success with that. So it's not awful either. You can still eat some delicious stuff. Uh, it's I, I, I don't crave any bread or any carbohydrates or anything. I, my energy's up. I'm feeling great. Uh, well, nobody believes that, but I believe the second part. Yeah, but nobody believes you're not craving breads because that's what we do in this country, right, Travis? I like cheese a lot, also. Yeah, that's the important part. Bread and cheese are one of the hallmarks of the ultimate food combos. It's a simple, simple formula that's worked mm. for decades. I'll but no, I don't want to bring you down, Eric. I don't want to bring you down. All right, you know, I'm sorry. I, we're lost. I'm lost, but you're on the right track. So good for you! Yay! Thank you, Michael. Thank bread, you. Bread that. and cheese. <laughs> bread and cheese, the movie. Um, we, we already, we already did, did that. We already covered that. <laughs> Grilled yeah, cheese, the movie uh, episode. I don't know, twelve or something. <laughs> Long time ago, deep in the archives. If you want to go back, by the way, all of our episodes are available on our podcast feeds and. I don't know when we actually started streaming our first episode on YouTube, but most of them, a lot of them are on YouTube. I don't know exactly when that started, though. But we would love a five-star rating if you feel like we deserve it. That always helps the show. And, you know, we're trying to we're trying to grow. We're trying to learn about how, like, stuff works. And maybe we could expand our brand and get to know more people and, and learn about more movies. There's still so much to learn. Am I Am I wrong? You're, no, no, you're you got a great point there. Uh, how are you, Michael? Is your fear of death uh, subsiding? Like, how's life? <laughs> you know, uh, actually, I haven't had uh, much death thoughts in the last week or two, so I think All I right. finally figured it out. I think I mastered it. You can cross that off the list. Done. Fear of next. death off the list. <laughs> <laughs> now you know. Actualization uh, next. <laughs> oh wow, dude, that's a tall order. But I'm uh, I'm down for it. Let's right. let it ride. Let it ride. One day it will probably be a movie. That will decide whether it holds up so. or not on this I show, already, I'm sure. I already know it does. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, then we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> That's why uh, I haven't But <laughs> I actually, uh, I'm going back to work uh, next week, apparently. Oh, no so shit. that's like the, it's the big news. It's like a part-time thing. Same All employer right. I used to have with the valet dude. So we'll see how that goes. Excitement. And, uh, yeah, I do need money. That doesn't matter. That's but, exciting. Uh, otherwise, that's pretty much it here. We're just kind of. You know, doing the same old shit here. I'm fully vaxxed. That's true. Like I said, I played softball and lived for the first time on Sunday. And I've actually been thinking about, like Travis did, it's time for me to go to the theater. Eric, have you gone to the theater yet? He's shaking his head no to those that aren't watching at home. No. No, I mean, I've been very happy with a lot of the movies that I've been wanting to see hitting home platforms. We got The Conjuring 3 currently on HBO Max waiting for me. I'm going to tuck in tonight. Pretty much everything I've watched, Godzilla vs. Kong, everything I've been wanting to see has been available on 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 the home front, and I've been I've been happy with it. You know that's how cool. anxious I, I get at theaters. So th- that's true. You've never been a huge theater guy. Um, Kong and God's the Kong versus Godzilla for me was like one of the most ultimate theatrical experiences of my life. But uh, I do that makes sense for you. That's for sure. What are you going to see, Mike? Do you have any uh, thoughts? I've been looking, uh, but there really hasn't been much in theaters I want to see. Really, just yeah, nobody, which has been in theaters forever. I'm like, that's going to be streaming any day now. I'm sure. That's the thing. There's nothing that's like getting me to go there yet. So when yeah. something comes out, that's, you know, maybe I'll watch that stupid movie, uh, Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds coming out. Yeah, August. I'll go with you. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that'll be the uh, the big return. That'd be fun. Well, I was just thinking. Uh, I'm sure you will. I was thinking, me and Eric, we had a great time. Me and Eric, we've been to the theater many times together. I didn't know you were so nervous though. We, I remember our Inglorious Bastards viewing, which was like the day. Before my birthday in 2009, and then we I remember. Then we celebrated too. that beautiful film with a a boot at the Heidelberg afterward. Who could forget? Yeah, 
right. those are good times. I, I didn't know that it was such a... And me and Travis, of course, all three of us, we've been to the movie theaters many times together over the years. There's the classic Frost, Nixon viewing, uh, Inception, me and Travis. I, oh. I got stoned for that one. That was fun. Damn. Rare stone viewing for me. I don't really wow. do that. That's a good one to get stoned for. It was. I remember picking you up at your apartment over in Ipsy, and we went. We got stoned, and we went and saw it. And whoa, 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 back up. <laughs> I got you stoned? Yeah. I don't do that. Oh, well, so, not you. No, 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 not you. I chose of my own free will to get stoned. That's what it was, yeah. So, but, so Travis, uh, you have been to the theater in the past few months. Twice. Twice. Two uh, big events. I'm, I'm hearing rumors that the prices like have skyrocketed to cover this and that. Nope. Is that just bogus? Nope. They were the same. They, they were the same right, prices. <laughs> uh, they were the same prices. And speaking of the theater, shout out to friends of the show and listeners of the show, Laskowski and Chad Gibbon, who has been a previous yeah. guest host. They went and saw Raiders of the Lost Ark this weekend in theaters. I, I, I they, they invited me, but it was pretty, la- pretty late notice. But uh, that's wow. one of the things I've, I've been meaning to do that, you know, since theaters are opening up, they're showing all these older movies and stuff. I'm like, I, I should probably try and catch those. But so far, there hasn't been anything really that's lined up for me. <laughs> <laughs> the text thread got a few laughs for me from that event. So, <laughs> Eric's trying to have a lovely Saturday, and I'm saying that's played out. So that was funny to me. Well, but yeah, classic. Yeah. But Just those you. guys were the demographic of that movie. You got, that's what made me laugh the most. Yes, those two <laughs> seeing that movie were four year old bearded nerds in the theater, <laughs> full price, whatever it takes. It was five bucks. They said so. They're oh, all right. What? Oh, wow. So it's even cheaper. That's cool. That's the way it should be. That's good yeah. to know that exists. Mm. Well, you know, uh, we have no emails this week. You guys finally listened to us and you finally got the message. So thank thanks thank you for so that. much. God, thank God. I know. <laughs> uh, but Travis Roy, why don't you take us into quarantine viewing picks for June 10th, 2021? Oh, man, you guys, I actually watched nothing but good movies this week. I, I it was just. I mean, just a, it was like a no hitter. I was, I had a lot of good luck with this week with, with movies. I, I kicked off the week with the documentary suggested by co-host Eric Branstrom, uh, in search of darkness on, uh, shutter. I w- yes. definitely watched the first, the, the second one. I watched the first one from 2019. I was thinking, you know, I'm pretty caught up in my eighties film lore. I'll probably have, you know, the cult classics. I probably will have seen most of them. And then I'll get some, some more recommendations. And there was plenty that I had not seen. I thought that I had, I had a pretty good chunk under my belt, but I walked out with quite a few to watch. So I watched Psycho. Chopping Mall. I, I, I grew up on Chopping Mall. There was no oh, problem shit. with that one. Yeah, I grew up on Chopping Mall. Um, but I watched Psycho 2 from 1983, which I'd never watched before, uh, written by Tom Holland, the writer-director of Fright Night. It was fucking awesome. It's one of the most underrated sequels of all time. It was awesome. Really interesting camera moves and interesting what's going on kind of story. Like you think you're going to like it's going to all be super obvious, but it really wasn't. It was really, really good. Um, so I enjoyed that. And another one that was a uh, um, that I, I picked up from that uh, documentary was The Lair of the White Worm. Have you guys ever heard of this movie? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Ken Russell film. Yeah. Uh, really, oh really early Hugh Grant and uh, Peter uh, Capito. Right? Isn't that his name? Capaldi. <laughs> Capaldi. Peter, Peter Cap- Capaldi. Capaldi. Um, like both of them, like 30 years old at the time. And it was so good, man. It was so funny and actually scared me once or twice. But mostly it was just really fucking funny and weird and really sexual, but not in a way that was cringe. Well, kind of cringy. Um, but the Lair of the White Worm is streaming on like a million platforms and it's. <laughs> it's quite good. I got to say, I enjoyed it. Um, 
on your guys' recommendation, I checked out Bernie from 2011. Yes. It was fantastic. Good recommendation. Yeah. Thank you. I kept waiting for Cher to show up. Did you guys tell me Cher was in this movie or am I crazy? No, that we, got mixed in stuck with on Stuck you. on You. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm like watching it. I'm like, there's Cher Lee McClain. She's <laughs> fucking <laughs> Cher. I'm like, wait. I'm like, Cher. I like Cher a lot. Never showed up. But other than that, it was great. It was really, It was a really good movie. Um, and you know, I, I'm a big Jim Nickel fan, uh, cold in July and, and, and a few other films. The only thing of his, I had not seen was Stakeland because it came out right after zombie land. It looks like zombie land with vampires. And I was like, fuck, I'm not going to watch this. You know, 11 years go by and finally like, all right, it's the only Jim Nickel movie. I haven't watched. I've liked every Jim Nickel movie I've watched. I should watch this. It's awesome. Some horror movies will start off and like, be like, uh, we're gonna kill the family dog to let you know there's stakes, but there's not really any real stakes. This movie's like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna kill a baby in the first five minutes, and this is the kind of movie you're in, you're in for. Not too big of a spoiler, but I mean, like, it's not grisly, but it is a baby dying. So, um, be prepared for that. But it was a really fucking. I mean, it was way dark. Obviously, um, it was not. It did not have the comedy chops of like Zombieland at all. It was a pretty hardcore, awesome post post apocalyptic, uh, like you know supernatural film i would definitely recommend um i watched rolling thunder from 1977 you guys ever seen this movie are you familiar with william devane you guys know this name yeah 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 yeah, yeah. like i'd seen him a million fucking times but like i didn't know his name until now and now i'm not going to forget it this is the movie that paul schrader wrote um after taxi driver this is the first thing he did after taxi driver there's paul who schaefer (laughs) schrader Paul, some guy that starts with an S, I always get them two names confused, even though I'm a big fan of one of them and not the other. Uh, <laughs> Paul Schrader. I said Schrader. I said Schrader the first time. In yeah, joke. you got it right. He's just making a joke. fucked up. I thought I blew it. <laughs> no, you had it. You had it's it. Right. It's a Paul Schrader podcast. Remember? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. I thought I thought I blew it. All right. So Paul Schrader, I was right. Um, totally. Uh, if you like Paul Schrader. Rolling Thunder, it makes sense to watch this movie. You got a real young Tommy Lee Jones in there too, but mostly William William Devane is a true badass. Um, that was that was pretty cool. I watched Raya and the Last Dragon, uh, the, the most recent Disney film, which was Chef's Kiss. It's fucking oh, great. Yeah, it's free. Well, not free, but it's well, uh, yeah. it's not exclusive on Disney Plus. You can just watch it on Disney Plus now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, is a Song um, of the South on Disney Plus? <laughs> I don't no, think they put that one up yet, but they probably will. canceled. No, Michael, come <laughs> yeah, on, that's now. not happening. <laughs> Uncle Rebus is canceled. Sorry, I knew that. that was bad. Yeah, that's not they, happening. They, they might someday. I actually hope that they do. You think so? I don't think they will. But yeah. well, I mean, with the with a you know with a disclaimer at the beginning, I would not be surprised if they did. Yeah. I mean, for for historical purposes, I think it should be available to people. Myself. I mean, they own everything. What are they going to do? Go out of business? <laughs> exactly. Right. Everyone's aware of it. It's not right. like a secret. Um, I watched Terminator: Dark Fate. Holy shit, you guys. It was fucking awesome. I liked what? it. It was, it was, it was good. I, it was I really good. It. I talked about it on the show. I, I know. I, remember. I don't get the hate. Yeah, you talked about it on the show. You guys, there are three Terminator movies. Terminator 1, Terminator 2, and this one. Just cut the rest out. They're, the rest are crap. This was pretty fucking good. Diego Luna was scary as, as, as the new Predator, as the new uh, Terminator, excuse me. Um, and dude, I, when, when Linda Hamilton appeared properly in the film, like in her, cause it kind of like she blips in and out and then she really shows up. I fucking cheered like she was Steve Rogers in infinity war. I was so stoked. I, I was, I was really, um, I was surprised at my reaction upon seeing her like blow in. Uh, so I'd strongly Stunning. recommend it. Yeah, it so was good. It, it's kind of coincidental Travis, because 
with Terminator Dark Fate and the T-800 and Psycho 2, you actually watch two horror movies about rehabilitated killers. And I think they're both interesting in, in, in ways that, you know, coalesce with the fact that, you know, your history doesn't define you, even if you're this horrible mass murderer. Well, speaking of rehabilitation, my last film that I'll, that I'll recommend, and I'm going to strongly recommend this movie. Maybe, you know, this is one of the stronger recommendations I think I've ever made on this show. I, I, yes, I firmly urge, you know, for nine years, for nine fucking years, since 2012, I've heard bits and pieces of people being like, this is a good movie. I'm, seriously, you should watch this movie. Maybe you guys have seen it. I watched Dread from 2012. Oh, dude, so did I. I was just going to, that's so weird. I was going to talk about that today. That is weird. <laughs> I fucking loved it, dude. So did I. Uh, Alex Garland's script. Uh, that's so weird. Pete Travis yeah. directed. It was, I mean, it was fucking great. It was an absolute testament to everything that was wrong about the first one. With I never Sylvester even watched Sloan. I never even watched oh, that yeah, show. I, so I didn't either, but I've heard about it, obviously. And yeah, people were, this is fucking, yeah, Carl Urban. It's fucking cool. awesome. This uh, is fucking uh, Lena Haiti. Uh, yeah, Lena Haiti. Yeah, she's outstanding, outstanding villain. But the action in this movie is so it good. It doesn't fuck around. It's it's, it's a just, violent film. <laughs> oh my god, so violent! And it starts and does not relent. Like it just yeah. fucking starts, and then you are in this movie or in this world. I I blew it by not watching it not nine years ago. I mean, it's fucking so did awesome. I. I oh, heard so much me, about it, I finally wanted to go back and see it. So that's funny that we few, both watched I, it, finally. I think I talked about it over the last summer, but I, I loved it as well. It, it reminds me of early John Carpenter, like Assault, yeah. on, Pre Assault on Precinct 13 and uh, Escape from New York. It just cuts right to the chase. Lean, fucking awesome, like hard. Yeah, I would be very <laughs> happy with a sequel, which is probably not coming at this point. But like, mm. I can see why people are still talking about this movie, being like, you guys, and, and finally... I fucking relented and watched it. Yeah, between that and Terminator Dark Fate, I really fucking blew it. I should have seen both these movies in theaters. Wow, that's so funny. You you started to say, "I wish I'd seen this movie." 2012. I'm like, is he gonna say Dread? And he did. He said Dread. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm just gonna jump in on it now because you mentioned it real quick. But yes, yeah, go ahead. I'm a done. Fuck, great movie that is in and out too. It's only like an hour and 35 yes. minutes. Lean. Amazing. Never takes off. Never takes off the mask. Is like just yes. like a straight comic that, that was, book. That was a stipulation. He like he's like when he took the role, who's he's still like never been a huge guy for in especially in 2012. But like he was like, no, I'm not like one thing. I'm not taking the mask off like because he's a that's, fan. That's the way it should be done. I mean, yeah. he, he was he was in the middle of the Star Trek franchise, so his star was rising. That's impressive that he said that, too. So good for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's a great movie. It's violent as hell. It's not for the kiddies, in my opinion. No. Uh, it's an adult violent action packed thriller. Bing, bang, boom. Get in, get out. Definitely go see it. Or and brilliant it satire, like layers and yeah. layers of satire. That's true too. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely it's a futuristic. If you yeah. know, if you know the dread, if you don't even know the dread shit, you don't have to worry about that. It doesn't matter. You just go in there and you understand the stakes, the situation, and it's 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 intense. <laughs> yeah. So those are the movies I watched. I watched ten fucking really good movies this week, and I'm gonna make dread my top recommendation. So there you go. get out there and watch some movies, people. Did you <laughs> You watch Loki? Yes, I watched no. the first episode of Loki, and it was easily the best first episode out of the three Marvel shows so far. Oh, okay. It well, was, that's promising. It's a strong first episode. Uh, yeah, I, I watched that. it, and uh, yeah, I, I I could not avoid all the talk, so I checked in. I dug it, man. Like, like uh, they might be pulling me back in because as much as I like com complained about, I think the the superhero stuff for me was just it was origin story, origin story, origin story. 
And they're with these shows, they're just like, it seems like they are doing an about face and they understand that it, it's going to get tired unless you try to reinvent it and do some like weird, if not fantastical things. And this is like, oh, yeah, Terry Gilliam meets John, uh, Charlie Kaufman. It's like, it's interesting. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to stick with this series. Uh, yeah, they're going full like uh, they're getting really into full comic book mode now. They're like, all right, people can handle alternate realities and shit. Like we're we're gonna start throwing the weird shit at them now. <laughs> the co cosmic shit. You got to yeah. prep for that multiverse. By the um, way, real quick on that point, Erica, yeah, dread. It's not an origin story either. You don't have to deal with that. It just gets right into it. I wanted yeah, right, to make that yeah, point. Just like, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Just jump right in. Uh, Cobra reminds me of too. I fucking love Cobra. I can see that. Um, uh, the new world yeah, out so there, pig. <laughs> Cobra's fucking so awesome. Um, yeah, it was a little light for me this week. Uh, the the big standout for me, I'll go through a few of them. Uh, <laughs> I checked in with Black Dog. You know, we were talking about Swayze for these <laughs> yeah. last few weeks. How to hold up? It, yeah, it popped in, and I, I push play. So, I mean, That's, come on, yeah, okay. let's be honest I push here. Play. <laughs> 1999, Patrick Swayze. He's a former truck driver fresh out of prison. He takes on one last load to make ends meet, even though he doesn't even have a driver's license. <laughs> he accepts the job and has to get like back into like the seedy world like of Fifth truck drivers. It's like, bit. I mean, hey, it is what it is. I sat there and watched the goddamn thing. And then like <laughs> before I knew it, an hour and a half went by. And I was like, all right, I just watched Black Dog. With me? Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but I mean... God bless Patrick Swayze. And after watching that, like in the late nineties, you could kind of, he, he was looking a little weary. So I think the, I think they got him right at a good moment. He, I think he was a little bit on, on his way out. I hate to say, but it was fun. Like watching meatloaf have a scene with Randy Travis and like, they're both trying to like act and it's just not working. <laughs> it's worth the price of admission alone. Um, I was hearing a lot about this horror film bloodline. Uh, which is like a, a serious, dark serial killer film starring Sean William Scott. So I, I checked in with it <laughs> on stars. Stif Stifler it? himself. And, you know, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he, he's good in the in the role. Uh, he's actually quite good with what he's given. It's a very heavily cliched and obvious picture. But uh, if, if you're inclined to take a look, he, he's someone that actually th should get more dramatic roles because he's actually quite good in it. It's just like your typical, like, his family doesn't know he's killing people at night and then coming home and then climbing back into bed and saying, like, hey, I love you, hon. Like, that whole deal for, like, an hour and a half. So, you know, uh, I'm glad I watched it. Uh, I, and like I said, it was light. After Loki and, like, <clears throat> more pro wrestling documentaries, I checked in with... Um, stop making sense okay so for the first I, time I, right i've never seen this my whole yeah, entire life know. and you guys were talking about it i'm like okay great you know i'm a talking heads fan but what do you got like they film a concert i watched it two, <laughs> twice yeah, the I same day did. like while cleaning my house like i don't know how to explain like what jonathan demi was able to do like he i've never seen a concert film just capture like the, the frenetic just energy and and pulsivity that's probably not a word of, of being at a live show it's just I loved it so much, and um, I watched American Utopia. I good, wish I good. Watched them. Hey, I wish I would have watched that first because, oh, yeah, it was a little too, too self aware for me or something. I don't know what it was, but it was like too like Broadway or something. But like, I I, I dug it. But I'm I'm telling you, stop making sense is so fucking. It just wanted me. It made me want to either see a show or like get on Craigslist and be like, anyone who want to start a band? It's just 
is so inspirational for I mean, it's, as it's, an artist. It's a classic film, like like The Last Waltz. I mean, there's only so many like yeah. concert performance movies that are like this is a classic film. And Stop Making Sense is, a, I mean, it's like an American classic. Yeah, it, even if you don't really like the talking, I mean, there's only so Everyone much talking, that, like so much weirdness you can handle. But like, what's the perfect length? Yeah, I, yeah. Like, it, it, I watched American Topia like right after. I'm like, okay, we get it. You're weird, but you know, I, I love it. Eccentric, Eric. Very eccentric. Yeah. I love you. I loved American Utopia as as he much went to or- RISD, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's where they met. Yeah. Uh, some of the Talking Heads actually met there, I believe. Uh, yeah, fact. art art school was where they met, right? Is that RISD? Yeah, RISD, yeah, Rhode school. Island School of Design, where okay. it, Seth MacFarlane I mean, went. I mean, I can't, I cannot. You've everyone's seen it but me, but like, I I cannot praise it hi- highly enough. It was an experience, and then we're talking just about like a camera pointed at a concert, but it was over three nights and. Jonathan Demi just he fucking nailed it. I mean, I don't know how we don't ha- have more movies that are at least just aping off what he tried to do, but just no one's really been able to capture that that energy of a, a performance like like that film. Loved it so much. Yeah, it seems like there's an opportunity for a lot of great concert films that we just don't have. Now that you have, now that I'm thinking about it a bit. Like I know is, there's a lot out there, but I was thinking, is that it that they take like the best moments of this essentially the same show over three nights at the Hollywood Palladium, or and nowadays do they just like is it one show and like they just because they never show the crowd? No, there's and a lot of multi night. Like there's a is lot there, of like uh, residences. Where, yeah, yeah, yeah it depends that, where it's at, but yeah, that happens a lot with stand up comedy even too. I mean, like they it's not mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not uncommon. It's so less common with music, though. yeah, I would agree. But piece what about you, Mike? Yeah, what you been watching, bud? Well, I'm glad you watched it finally, Eric. I think that's an important moment. This is a milestone Love marker it. in the Love show. It. We should all stop and have a moment of silence. Oh. When I first I'm moved on, here, I, I blew Mr. Belvedere. Oh, shit. Okay, we had it. Great. <laughs> I pressed the wrong button. Uh, <laughs> that was Seth Rogen from Funny People, though. Uh, sorry. When I first moved here, I blew Mr. Belvedere. It happens. Multipass! Look at this. We got a great comment. Multipass! We all love saying multipass. Multipass I'm a little uh I'm a little short. Uh, but anyways, movie-wise, yeah, I watched Dread, so we covered that. Woohoo! What a great film. Dread. Carl Urban's a badass. Uh, I watched uh I forgot to mention this, so a couple weeks back. I watched I did a double header of uh boys titled movies. <laughs> boys on the side <laughs> and riding in cars with boys. I did both oh, of them. <laughs> Mike, they're so both starring Drew weird. Barrymore. They're both starring Drew Barrymore, which is weird, right? Why? Why did you cap off the boys trilogy with Boys Don't Cry? No shit. Yeah, that's a good point. I, for some reason, I didn't think of that. But Boys in the Hood. I mean, yeah, well, I've seen that so many times. That's true. That would have been a natural uh, one to fit in there. Yeah, keep but, it going, man. What, Wonder Boys. boys? <laughs> oh, we've done yeah, which we did a long yeah. time ago, episode oh, three, two or three. Yeah, one of our first yeah. episodes. Way back when. It's available, though. You can listen to it. We'll sound different. If you listen to the pod today and you go back, like Travis has said, we said, we have progressed to a certain point where we've matured and tried a little bit more of a organizational structure, which I like. I like the way we do the show, but it's fun to see the development of a show. I think it's good times. Oh, oh yeah. Great. And, of course, Bad Boys. Good call, Anthony. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. thinking. So, so what choice. did you think? I mean, I've got a copy of Riding Cars with Boys in my DVD collection down here. Are, are you a fan? They thought it was going to be much more than it ended up being because it's based on a memoir by this woman 
she has a kid at a young age in the 60s and she ends up writing about it and the one of the things that's really hard to buy is drew barrymore's like jumping 20 plus years 25 years in age and she just has black hair instead of her blonde hair dumb real dumb and she has a son that's like 23 <laughs> like come on guys uh, and Dude, steve zahn's in it steve zahn's like fucked up heroin addict like it's a weird steve zahn role or a different steve Zahn's role in the least but it just doesn't take it seems like they were really trying to make it a serious like this is big deal this could be like you know, worthy of awards and shit. It just doesn't work. We we really have to do like worse, like aging gaps in movies, like where they're clearly mm. still just like 25 and they're <laughs> trying to be old. <laughs> yeah. That's a great yeah. call, dude. I'll write that down. Yeah. Because, and well, you Anne said Hathaway that- and Brokeback Mountain, just like as good as she's acting, like, <laughs> but nothing. No, we already did it. We've already discussed it. It was Rachel Griffiths <laughs> and fucking Blow. That was the worst. Oh, oh, oh shit. Just have a shitty kind of like Boston accent and you think it ages you somehow. No makeup, (laughs) no nothing. That was it. You're right. That's the Hall of Fame. That's the worst. By the way, we're going to talk Fifth Element, but you brought it up. I got to say it now. Was that Rachel Griffiths as Corbin's mom? I swear. I was like, that sounds like her <laughs> playing the Boston accent from Blow. Yeah. I was really thought that. A little before. I mean, like, I think that was before she was really getting started. Well, actually, no, I take that back. She'd been in Cozy, I think, by that point or whatever that was. But yeah, no, I think she was. Oh, she was active. Yeah, yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. Oh, Corbin, my name is Constius. I know. <laughs> I, I think mean, you know you're a drug is that just the fucking like weirdest and worst C plot ever? Like, there's just no purpose. Just, worst, letting you, just, just letting you know, hey, you know, Corbin has a toxic background. His mother deeply wounded him psychically. <laughs> he was oh, raised by man. fucking uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Marchand. You know, shit, I'm like, so, so from The Sopranos, the his, Tony's mother. Oh, Nancy Marchand. Nancy Marchand, yeah. Oh, that- ba- basically her, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same one. Fucking border, borderline personality city. <laughs> oh, boy. And then uh, uh, Boys on the Side, which features Matthew McConaughey. Again, early Matthew McConaughey work. Uh, he plays the cop husband of Drew Barrymore. Uh, Boys uh, on the this, side is why you, this is why you watched it. This was all. This was the first reason to get into it. You got me there. But then I yeah. went to riding with cars with boys because of the fuck of it. Why but not? the bottom line is Boys on the Side, 1995, Pretty damn good movie, actually. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg and Mary Louise Parker and Drew Barrymore and like a road trip, but it's not a comedy. There's jokes and stuff, but it's a road experience film. And they're a good trio together. So I would recommend that one, but not riding cars with boys. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would watch Mary Louise Parker do laundry for eight hours. I, I We don't see enough <laughs> of her. I love her so much. Wow. That's, you can have her. Uh, yeah, okay, congratulations. Her. <laughs> offering, if, we, if I get a hold of her, I'll I'll let her know you're ready to go. So okay. I think, I think she's busy with her own life. <laughs> <laughs> uh continuing on the McConaughey adventure. I never saw this movie. It got torn to shit. I remember coming out like people tore it to hell, but I finally saw it. Sahara. What a terrible <laughs> film this is. <laughs> Fa- famously terrible, like like oh Ishtar level. I think. Initially, I'm like, well, this ain't so bad. You got Bill Macy, Steve Zahn, Matthew McConaughey, Penelope Cruz. The book, so right. that's the thing. Like this Clive Cussler book was all the, the cat's meow. So like what the fuck happened with the movie? And what are the – is the book even good? What is this Sahara bullshit? <laughs> Who the fuck is Clive Cussler? <laughs> that's a great episode title. Uh, I got to tell you, though, uh, 
McConaughey's like this impenetrable badass. Like, with, he can smile and kick everyone's ass all the time, and nothing ever phases him. It's just so ridiculously absurd. It's too bad Bill Macy plays an admiral in this. Kind of a stretch. I don't really see Bill Macy as an admiral, a Navy <laughs> elite admiral. He, he tries to grow a beard and pull it off. It's like, that's eh. not very and Navy. Then, no, and then Del Mundo shows up too. You're like, wow, all these people are just, in this. Just any admiral. It doesn't even matter the personality. You you can't be an admiral. Come on. You wouldn't advance <laughs> in the Navy. Give me a break here. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, locked, I knocked off a lot I'd never seen before, all of these. Uh, I saw the new Mutants. Travis uh, talked about it. Oh. thought it was so-so. Uh, yeah. thought it was... Right. I think it's there, but like... Eh, worth eh. seeing, but... I mean, I'm not going to watch yeah. it over and over again, but I thought it was worth seeing. Yes, it was worth seeing, but that's about it. I Ooh. talked about it a couple weeks ago, but I didn't f- see it, but I finally watched it because we talked about Miguel Arteta when we did The Good Girl. <clears throat> Flanda Coco. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Flanda Coco. Flanda Coco. Alter ego, Flanda Coco. Flanda Coco's Beatrice at Dinner, starring Selma Hayek and John oh, Lithgow. Okay. And uh, Connie, what's her face? Shit. Uh, Nielsen? No, not the Nielsen. The other one. Uh, oh. She was in Nashville, a TV show. The only one I know. You would know her face. Uh, anyways, this is, a, this is an interesting like film, it. a curious film. Uh, Chloe Sevigny is in this as well. And Selma Hayek gives a great performance. And her and John Lithgow going head-to-head in this movie. Is definitely worth seeing, and it's not what you think it might be necessarily. So I'm going to recommend Beatrice with a Z at the dinner. Very intriguing movie. I don't want to say much else because it's a pretty quick film. It's like it gets in and gets out, and that's about it. And uh, I watch more trash, you know, blah, 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 talking about the movie. I've seen that. I watched Gravity for the first time, and I thought it wasn't that oh. great, to be honest with you, man. Uh, maybe I should have seen this Gravity. in the theater. I missed an experience. But, uh, yeah. Dude, for me, like the whole movie is like, like how did I used to describe it? Like if you're like in line at Epcot Center, it's like in the background, like while you're in like the third like ring of rows you have to wait in, like it's playing, like like <laughs> gearing you up for like the roller coaster you're about to ride. I don't understand why it's a, such a huge deal. Well, look, I mean, again, back to our earlier point about like uh, cinematic films being better in movies. I saw this one in IMAX. And I was like, when it first came out, I saw it in IMAX. This is fucking masterpiece. When they're, you know, once he touches the earth, I'm like, this is amazing. Alfonso Cuaron is a fucking genius. This is amazing. And I watched it as soon as it came out on, on whatever. I watched it at home on like the little rinky dink 12 inch TV I had at the time and went, oh. Oh, it's just a big screen. It was just a really big screen that made it good. <laughs> That's interesting, Travis, because like, is it like if you went back for a third time and then watched it back on IMAX, would you be like, this is the intended experience? So the film is amazing. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's, it's an experience, but you but you do got to be pretty set up for it. Mm. Yeah, it's, I never. Yeah, you guys nailed it. Well done. Well done. Well said. Sandra Bullock looks incredible, though, uh, in the film. Yeah, but it's also, even beyond the the physical appearance of it, some of the the dialogue is terrible, and, like, some of the things that are happening are repetitive. It's it's beyond that, too. So I'm actually going to stick with how I felt about it. Obviously, it was an IMAX experience. I should have seen it there. But it was so overhyped. Yes. So overhyped. I I agree with that. I really think it was, and I'm not going to back down from that. I don't care what anybody (laughs) says. You know, I've got opinions. and back down. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I heard. You stand I, your ground. I, I will. I uh, won't be turned around. 
I I'm, I have never uh, seen The Mask. I watched The Mask what? for the first what? time. What? I never saw it. What? I love Jim Carrey. I know. Did, oh, this is a coma? big one. This is a big one, huh? Yeah. I'm hitting that one here. This? How? I just, I've seen the clips of him. Getting you? What, what happened? Uh, you know, his eyes popped out. I've seen the clips, but I've never sat were, down and watched You were busy watching okay. some other fucking movie like Mars Attacks for the 500th time or something, right? <laughs> or Ace Ventura. <laughs> right. Or Dumb and Dumber over and over again. Because they all came out around the same time. So yeah, I remember. That, makes, yeah. It, that blows my mind. Well, here. What, how even was it? I have no idea how it would be to a grown man in the year <laughs> 2021. How was it? What'd you think? You, I got to tell you, it fucking impressive the special <laughs> effects still hold up All right. like legit special effects on a goofy comedy they're really oh good god it, it's they really are. i mean it was a star blockbuster it was a huge hit we cannot overstate how big this movie was and it was his first really big film if i'm if i recall correctly it, it was before it ace was. ventura it i think it was right before i think it came out the summer dumb before number. dumb and number yeah, which july came out 94 yeah. it was Massive. So it was, it was introduction to Cameron Diaz. Like my right. eyes have never been the same since I first laid eyes on her in theaters in '94. I yeah, I can't. I, I'm in shock, Michael. I know. So it was, it was Ace Ventura, then The Mask, then Dumb and Dumber. And Dumb and Dumber in December. Right. Yeah. Right. Amazing. It's a great film. It's it's funny. Jim Carrey at his best, also playing the uh, you know the Stanley Ipkiss character. He does that yeah. well. And but the effects are really good. And old good old Redfoot's a bad guy. He's fun. <laughs> Redfoot is Peter Green. Once, once he gets the mask on, like ooh, evil yeah. man anymore. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? Why does he have to have a? Why, do, why does his voice change when he puts on the mask? Because he's got to represent evil. Well, I don't know. that's a they, minor they issue. They tell you it, it brings out your innermost fantasies and desires, and his was to corrupt and own capital. Well, that makes sense. But why does his voice have changed? Jim Carrey's voice because he's change. evil. Yeah, evil thank dude. you. Come I know. Yeah, it's a mild, stupid point. I should not be harping on. But anyways, I finally saw it, and I'm glad I did. It's a good time, and uh, it holds up. It's it was a great ride. I really, really wish I'd seen it when I was younger. I saw Mr. Brooks, never saw Mr. Brooks. And boy, this is an fascinating film. This is not what you think it is. If you've never seen it, I wish I'd seen it. I Again, I really, really wish I hadn't just blown off Kevin Costner because he's boring and annoying in a lot of films and he thinks too much of himself. I did the same thing. I did the same thing. Eric the same had thing? Bas- he basically had to force me to watch it like five yeah, years after yeah. it came it's, out. It's, it's, like, it's got a healthy, healthy cult status uh, over the past, you know, what is it? Two, was it 2007? 2007? Yeah. Yep. So w- what did you think? I know we joked around on text, but uh, <laughs> it's an interesting picture for sure. It's a great movie. It's just a flat out great movie. It's never what you think it is necessarily. It doesn't give into certain tropes. And William Hurt and Kevin Costner, like I said, together, they're it's like a well, buddy. It's a buddy well, movie almost that you didn't think it would be that oh, is sick geez. as fuck, but it's still... <laughs> It still got me to feel for him in a weird way, which yeah. is really hard to yeah. do for a <laughs> yeah, it's, fucking killer. It's yeah. so it's so weird that you not to detour or or interrupt your your segment, but for me watching this Bloodline movie, which is essentially the same exact thing, Family Man is a murder on the side with no uh, originality. Mister Brooks was doing that before Dexter, before before any of these like serial killers with alter egos that you dissected and and their their family lives. Yeah, they both started at the same time. I think Dexter was like the year after it first came out, I believe. Or yeah, roughly. And, yeah. And Dane Cook. I mean, come well, on the now. There was there was a book I think maybe before they before the TV oh, show Dexter. There okay. was a book. Sharing. Dane Cook. Uh, yeah, he's serviceable in this role. Uh, he doesn't get too goofy, and uh, he's serviceable. I'll give him credit for that. I will. Those but, scenes uh, between. William Hurt and Kevin Costner were as the conscience. It's superb. Fucking superb. And the first season of Dexter was 2006. 
Oh, there you go. Busted, Mr. Brooks. Now you're suck. You're worthless. I don't ever <laughs> want to see but yeah, that's a uh, man. What a great movie. I'm so glad I finally watched that. And I apologize. I do like Kevin Costner. I don't like not, I don't when he's good. Him. When he's good, he's really good. Right. But he, there's just so much crap, honestly. But when he's good, yeah. he's fucking great. I, like when I watched Hidden yeah. Figures recently, I was like, shit, Kevin watch, Costner's uh, great. Watch Never yeah. Let Go last year. He's fucking fantastic. Yeah, classic Costner in it. Yeah, huh. Really good. Catch that. When he lets his ego go, because, you know, the word is always out that he has to control so much and he wants to be so involved in everything. I don't think that's a secret. And it's probably very true. So when he can kind of just make it do his part, I think he's really good. Uh, I never, I watched Speed Racer. I never saw that stupid ass movie. Another movie it. that got ripped to shreds. Yeah. And it's not, it's not as bad as it was ripped to be. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting, intriguing. The, the effects are really cool, but also overwhelming because they make it that way. They're trying to create yeah. that world. The Wachowski, formerly right. the Wachowski brothers at the time, now Lana and Lily, I think. Yes. Um, they a visual feast it looked like right <laughs> it is a, vi- a visual feast but the edits are terrible you, you oh. can never tell what's going on with the race it's awful it's worse than a fucking marvel movie with the you know the quick cuts and the, you just can't you cannot tell <clears throat> and, yeah I, you could just you could just be quiet i yes i know travis i'm sorry uh, I, did you hear what i said uh eric i watched speed, speed racer, racer? Yeah, couldn't, couldn't compare it to Transformers. Okay, exactly. That's just yeah. I could have done the same thing. You're right, but uh, fucking interesting enough. I think you should try it out. Uh, otherwise, it's not well, as terrible as you might have heard, but it's actually not as good as it could have been. It had to have been like a marketing nightmare because I, I when it came out, what was it year? Do you remember? Was it oh it's the next year? Oh wait, okay. I, I don't even know who the fuck Speed Racer is. I don't know if a lot of like the like eighteen to twenty five demographic that would that was probably prime for knew what was going 60s on. It was just, cartoon. Yeah, that no, that was like, more like, love when it came on Cartoon Network for? in like the late nineties, mid nineties. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was for us. I mean, I I grew up watching Speed Racer the TV show. Okay. Yeah, uh, a lot. I, that's I, what, uh, I wasn't interested in the movie though. There you Neither go. Yeah, and I tell you, the kid Spritel and that monkey, the chimpanzee, they're fucking annoying as fuck. That's a reason not to watch this movie, quite honestly. I will say that. I will say that. But the villain is so diabolically good that it keeps you interested enough and enjoyable that you so, gotta. Was that gotta Matthew Fox? No, uh, Matthew Fox is in that movie, but he plays a. Um, he's not Racer the villain. X. Uh, Racer X. Yeah, he plays Racer X. Yeah, who appears yeah. to possibly be a villain, but he's not. The guy who owns a. Uh, something Industries, uh, what was it, Royalton Industries? He was in uh, V for Vendetta. They cast him again. He was the guy who played the, the crazy Killing guy on TV. Kind. Yeah, no, no, not Stephen Ray. <laughs> no, it's, just, it's always a good opportunity to get a Stephen Ray yeah. kill your own kind oh, yeah, in can. The guy it, who's it, on TV screaming like he's the right-wing psycho, not the... John know, Hurt? Oh, 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 Stephen... Um, oh, what's that, that guy. fucking guy's name? Stephen I know who you're talking about. I'm yeah. looking at the cast listing, and it's so... Stephen Fry. No, Steven that's the other guy. Fry. He's the fun talk show guy. I'm talking about the psycho oh. right-wing guy at night who plays a... What's that guy's oh, name? Damn it. I do not know that guy's Prothero, name. Prothero. Commander Prothero. That guy. Uh, whoever plays yeah. that guy. He's right. great as the villain in this movie. And I'm really. sorry I don't know his name, and I apologize to him. I am the asshole here, and I hope you'll forgive me, and we move forward amicably. But he makes this worth it. Uh, Roger Allum. I finally found it. Thank you. Roger Allum. What a great bad guy. Good for you, buddy. All right, so uh, there you go. That'll uh, a little dabble do you, and that was my experience at the movies this week. And you know, movies are fun. You can always have a oh shit. Oh, okay. Oh, last one. Sorry, last one. Billy Lynn's halftime walk. Billy Lynn's <laughs> halftime walk. I want you guys. To... I thought it was pretty damn what? good, and it 
in huh. a period of time that has been shit on over and over again, the, the 2000s Iraq situation, the war, whatever, the people are disregarded from that war, the soldiers and such, and it's based in 2004, and it's a, the way it's created and done, and I thought it was definitely a pretty damn good movie and definitely hit me a little bit. Steve fucking Martin shows up in this movie in a wild role that I had no idea he was involved. He plays a serious role in this movie, so I'm going to so throw it up here. It's an angly picture, and I'm, all I remember is like this weird frame rate for some reason that they were yeah, going I, for. And I was like, I'm yeah. out. I, I, it was I the first the right movie theater. to do 120 or something, but I don't care about that. Yeah. It was just I watched the movie. I just it looked like a movie to me on my boring ass half, TV. Halftime so. walk. I'm like, it's not even about the game, which which won't interest <laughs> me anyway. It's about the, the halftime show. Somebody <laughs> walks out onto the field. Who cares? <laughs> a vet. A vet walks out on the field. Oh. Even I know that. Oh. I've never even seen it. <laughs> yes, that's correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Garrett Hedlund is the star of this movie. He's fucking oh, awesome. Okay. He plays like the guy who runs the, because it's a whole crew. It's not just Billy Lynn. It's their whole regiment goes to be celebrated at the football game. And Garrett Hedlund is a badass and a powerhouse in this film. So check it out. Don't get caught up in some of the bogus hype. So there you go. Try to rectify some wrongs of the past. Except Sahara, never to ever return. Well... We've covered all that. Cinnamon Eye Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Give us five-star rating on Apple Podcast and let us know what you think of our show. Uh, you can tell us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. These guys do great reviews of movies everywhere. So, with that said, let's do the fifth element. Multipass, 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 multipass. My dear Agnon, how about those two little planes that you borrowed? Agnon, is that you? What an ugly face. It doesn't suit you. Take it off. That's better. Never be ashamed of who you are. You warriors, be proud. So what if the federal government scatters your people to the wind? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Your time for revenge is at hand. Bang, bada, bang, boom. Bada, boom, boom, bing, <laughs> bing, bada, boom, bing. Hey, hey, hey. That's some dumbest shit. All right, we'll get to hey, that. Hey, that's, that's a divine language, man. Don't, don't fuck with the divine language. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, Travis picked The Fifth Element last week, a 1997 film directed by Luc Besson. And I got to tell you, uh, we're going to talk about it in great detail. But, Travis, why don't you lead us off, man? You chose this movie. Take us back in time. Spin us a yarn. Oh, man. Um, So this is one that uh, I owned, the VHS, I think, like, pretty much as soon as it was like one of those ones that 97 was about when they started releasing and stuff, for avail make it available for sale, like, almost as soon as it was available on VHS at all, you know, they figured out like, Oh, we should stop, you know, keeping movies from people. They actually want to give us money. We should let them take it. Um, so this is when I bought like early on and watched the ever loving fuck out of like, um, and you know, just like the other night when I, or last night when I watched it, I mean, I must have, must have watched it a hundred times. Every time I started, I'm like 1914. <laughs> every time like it starts in 1914 um but uh yeah it was one that i just i mean i couldn't have absorbed it more and then set it down walked away didn't think about it for nothing and until we started doing this podcast and like i said last week it's been one that's been on my mind for a long time because i felt very strongly that as much as i loved it before i could really see myself not feeling that way now um, or thinking, wow, what a fucking like, uh, you know, ahead of its time, you know, kind of picture. So uh, I was happy to sit down and watch it again. I'm ready to talk about it with you, with you good gentlemen. Yeah, apparently 
uh, Luc Besson, he wrote this when he was 16. He didn't get yeah. made until he was 38. And he also wrote, he wanted to do three movies. So I got the feeling that that opening scene was condensed from like a movie that could have take, could have been one movie about those early times in 1914. So yeah. try to cram as much in as possible. But Eric Bransham, you definitely saw this in theater, right? No. Uh, friend of the show, Chad, former host, uh, hey, Chad. recommended it to me. And he was a huge sci-fi fan back in the late 90s. So I took a look at it in our home video. So being a fan of Leon the Professional, I, I just say Luc Besson, I'm there. And I, I really liked La Femme Nikita too, his, his earlier picture. So I was really excited to see The Fifth Element. Saw it. Um, pretty much uh, declared my love for Miliovich. She was my email password for 12 years. The picture was <laughs> all over my locker. But I don't really... Uh, I don't recall ever like being attached to the film very much. Just this um, un unreal being that is Miljovovic. Uh, uh, that yeah. That uh, after seeing this woman, I must have just went blank. I think after the first time I saw it and she came on screen, my mind just went blank. I don't even remember the movie. So Skinny yeah, that's all I remember. I haven't seen carrot her since top. 1997. Skinny carrot top. Never understood it. She looks like oh, carrot yeah. top. I mean, this, in this top. in this movie, she was like 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 this scrawny carrot top. I never understood. My hair, you know, my hair was always very, very dark my whole entire life. And I remember in two, uh, 2000, I tried to dye it blonde. It didn't come out blonde, but it come, came out looking exactly like <laughs> Lilu's hair, like a little orange here, a little blonde there, a little like oh, yeah. completely fried and never attainable again for the rest of your life. Yeah. Been there. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Travis. Uh, she's called the perfect being in the movie several times. <laughs> Clearly, she's a attractive lovely woman but you know, she's perfection beautiful is out. Perfection they is a show high like standard the, they yeah, show these flight attendants that are probably a little more perfect physically than her I don't, <laughs> I don't know. we won't go there ruby red uh so i definitely didn't see this in the theater i watched it for the first time with my uh, friend steve guile i believe and we watched this movie many many times together after that and we would quote it to each other and i've watched this movie many many times over the last i'm surprised that you guys didn't watch it more in terms of repeat watchings and viewings, because it's so easy to watch for me, and it's so quotable, and it just kind of flows, and it's very uh, enjoyable to see as a image, I believe. I, I don't know why, I was always drawn back to it. Like, I gotta watch this again, it's fun, let's put it on. I'm just gonna hang out and do nothing. It's kind of like a mindless movie that I would throw on, to be honest, which is, you know, it could be a bad thing, but we'll get to that, so. um, Yeah, however, the IMDb rating. I purposely didn't look it up because I always want to participate. Did anyone take a peek? I, I believe I saw it, yeah. Okay, well, then I'll guess. I'm going to say that people love this movie, but it can't be legendary. The big question to me, frankly, Eric, is does it crack the eight? Now, and to eight is like legendary classic status, seven being very good. And if you're in the seven sevens, that's still an elite film, but not quite classic status. I don't think it gets to an eight. I say this is a seven, four, seven, five. What do you say, Eric? You're, you're close. I, I think I saw it, Michael. And aren't we at 7.7, seven, seven, Mike? I mean, seven, we're, we're, Travis, 7. We're, seven. we're way up there. 7.7. Oh. Oh, okay. seven. Yep. Sevens are wild. Yep. Well respected. People aren't too pissed, but it's not like <laughs> in the Hall of Fame, so to speak, right? Yeah, it's, it's a be beloved, but not, uh, you know. I mean, the, the reason why I wanted to talk about it was because I felt like people love the movie but never fucking talk about it anymore. I, that's partly why I haven't watched it. It's just I never hear people talk about it. I'll, I'll see the occasional Lilu cosplay. 
Um, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's about it. You know, like people just don't really talk about it. Like Eric was saying, I feel like maybe the, the character remained more iconic than the, the story itself, you know? Hmm. Interesting. Well, Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it a 71. It's a solid rating. But like Travis said, he's not hearing from those fans, but the fans gave it an 86. That's a very high score. A lot of love from the audience. A lot of freshly buttered popcorn for all of us to chew on and masticate. And who doesn't love masticating on popcorn? Am I wrong? I, I dislike it strongly. It gets stuck in my teeth. <laughs> Is that funny? <laughs> you what, a straight, what, what an odd opinion. Yeah, I asked an odd question. I should get an odd opinion. Gene Sisko, rest in power, Gene. He was still alive when this movie came out. The Fifth Element has enough eye appeal for two good movies. Ooh, interesting. Fetching. Fetching. Todd McCarthy of Variety says, a hodgepodge of elements that don't comfortably coalesce. Remember that band Coalesce, Travis? That was fun. Very much so. Seanatronic. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was the only, that's one of the few negatives. Like I said, a lot of positive reviews. Uh, looking for Dessen. We should create a doc, a mockumentary, uh, waiting for Dessen Thompson. <laughs> Searching for Dessen. <laughs> Searching for Dessen. Searching for Sugar Dessen. <laughs> uh, Susie, oh, this is a really, Susie Wikoshinata, an overblown cosmic comic book. Yeah, okay. Uh-oh. I mean, it is. I don't know if that's overblown, but it's very much a cosmic comic book. I mean, it's very comic booky. I thought. That's true. And then Roger Ebert, old pal, rest in power as well. One of the great goofy movies, a film so preposterous, I wasn't surprised to discover it was written by a teenage boy. <laughs> I, yeah, I wasn't surprised either. Uh, let's just say that. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was written by a 37-year-old man. He just started writing the story when he was 16. Yeah, when he had 16-year-old boners, and then he still had 38-year-old oh, boners. Did, did he combined he have the boners. 16-year-old fingers and legs and noses? Like, what? Why, why are we suddenly talking about someone's boner? Because Eric was clearly alluding to, and I believe Roger as well, to the teenage pubescent, well, well pubescent, not prepubescent, a young man it was a, penis who was a horny sure. teenager. He's a well, horny teenager. If we're going to talk about Luc Besson's penis for a moment, um, apparently when he was uh, casting this movie, he told the producers, this married man, by the way, uh, who's put, who puts his wife in the movie as the diva, yeah. um, he tells his producers, I have to fall in love with whoever we cast as Lilu. And he searches and searches and then finally finds Miljovic and spends four months teaching her this fucking stupid bullshit the language that he made up. And the rest is like a, the, the history because they get married for less than two years. And so like, the, what, I think this might be one of the most awkward shoots I've ever heard of because like everyone was like working with the wife on one hand. But at the same time, like everybody saw what was clearly going on that that they were falling in love and like hooking up and stuff like that just sounds so cringy to be like well, on set. Yeah, they had an open relationship, you know, well, you know, well, he's maybe, very maybe, open-minded. Maybe. You know, he broke up, he broke up with her on set, his wife. So, yeah. um, or well, during shooting insane. anyways, maybe not on set, but during shoot. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be able to hire Mila Jovovich. Let's just say that because it, it would be a problem. I would not be able to look at her, talk <laughs> to her. I'd be like, uh, tell Mila to, uh, and do this or do that. I, I would fall in love with her immediately. She's encapsulating. Why? I mean, I, I prove. Yeah. What is it? What is it? What? It's it's everything. Like, it's everything. Like, that's very vague. <laughs> <laughs> 
In her, her eyes. It's beautiful for Jesus' eyes. Her eyes. <laughs> so, like, I mean, yeah, beauty is the eye to describe why, like, why a prime rib steak is delicious. Like, I, why the sunset good? Why are boobs good? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a simple man. I just like things like butter in my ass. What can I tell you? I understand that. So, by the way, the end song of this movie. You're not going to do an awkward pause off. there. You're going to do one at the other thing, but not there. <laughs> Dude, that, the end of that movie, the, the song that ends this movie is so 90s and like <laughs> dumb. I started singing like dumb shit to it. Like, yeah, it's 97 again. And we're fucking in a tube. We, we, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about it, but uh, the, the song that ended uh, Stir of Echoes by the band Poe was probably the worst. Oh. Most '90s bullshit, to like last, like completely misplaced bullshit <laughs> song to like come up on this movie ever. <laughs> good call. That's a really good call. Yeah, I'll give you that one. <laughs> All right, so this. <laughs> I just so jumped to the start? end song. I know. I just yeah. that's how I do couldn't we, how not do we bring up that end Michael? song. We start with well, the end stars obviously. Bruce Willis. Also, we haven't mentioned his name yet, and Gary Oldman, yeah. who apparently did a favor to old Luke because he had yeah. financed. Gary's movie, yeah, and also he's been in. yeah. fucking awesome yeah. movie. Oh, so I never saw that one. Maybe we can start there because Bruce Willis, for me, it's like John McClane light. Obviously, Do you, could there be someone else that could bring something a little more fresh to the role? So it's not just oh yeah, it's just Bruce Bruce Willis being John McClane. Like I think they should have casted someone, like anyone else, Bob Downey Jr. Uh, anybody, because it's just like hey, John McClane deal with this situation. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Bob may have been a little busy on the, someone's floor. John oh, Cusack, just anyone that would been like, oh, oh I, John I, Cusack. I like wow, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe. I, I actually, uh, I actually think that that he's perfect as for Cor- Corbin Dallas. I, I, I think he's just absolutely perfect for because it it's a really undeveloped character, and we need to like him. And he's likable in the film, despite his sleeveless, backless mesh shirt. Thank you, John Paul Gaultier. We'll get to him. Um, but uh, oh, and his little wig—that little blonde wig on his head—that's nice too. But um, you know, uh, I got one real question about this movie. It's got nothing to do with any of these motherfuckers. What I want to know is: Did the mutant elephant survive? Did that thing get blowed up? Where is it? Who's taking care of the little mutant elephant on Gary Oldman's desk? This is the most important <laughs> question from this movie. The one that can't suck the cherry pit out of his uh, throat? Is that his job, to stick that trunk down there? No, it's his, his job is, the, is the, he's a pet. He gets cuddled. when he, oh. he's, like, he's like trying to get the thing to help him. The thing's like, I don't know. Are you playing with me? I love you, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's cute as hell. Yeah, yeah, it's cute. I want one. But, I want, I want but, that one. The, <laughs> the whole hotel, of, correct me if I'm wrong, blows up. And that that thing is probably on it, but like, how many people no, no, are no, on no. that? He didn't guy? bring it with him. He keeps it at the office. He doesn't bring it on road trips. Maybe. Well, this is what I don't understand. Like, wh- like, okay, I got a different question. You're right. He Talk, wouldn't bring I, it on the road trip. But why? The, okay. Why does Go he ahead. come back? Did, did did I miss something? Why does Zorg leave and then he come get the back stones. to get blown up? He comes back to get the stones again. What, yeah, but he, remember, already, he he got. He, that's what that's a big problem with this movie is he got fucked again. He didn't look in the case. After he already been fucked once, when oh, they didn't look at the case the first time, he doesn't realize he didn't have the stones until the second. So he he does it twice. Where he yes. leaves, you're saying he leaves with the case thinking that he's got the stones, then realize, okay, I I I, I missed that. I'm like, why are you Which going stupid, back to blow up? If it happened to you once, things, you'd be really paranoid about it again. Like, oh, I'm gonna, okay, I got here's the case. Are right. the stones in there first and foremost? Well, then how did the diva get the stones? How did Fat Donald Duck? Well, who give knows? It to, um, it's from oh, the fucking uh, what mean, are they called? Yeah, the washing hot, hot bib for tuna. 
<laughs> no, no, yeah. Bib Fortuna's wife yeah. is on location. She's a diva. Amazing. How, how did hot Bib Fortuna <laughs> get the stones from Fat Daffy Duck? Fat Gold Fat Daffy <laughs> okay. Duck. The Moshawan. Uh, Moshawan? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how you say uh, yeah, that. But, uh, I don't know. I don't, yeah, what I, they I, do is they can shrink it into a tiny little pill and then it expands in her stomach when it hits her stomach because her stomach acids are made of unique. This is all bullshit. I'm just making up a story because oh, wow. we're it never did, told that. You're right. It did turn out to be super convenient that she got st- shot in the stomach, though. It also, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, you're good thing she was standing here. there. Good thing she was standing there. Everybody else is taking cover. Her, I'm going to stand on this have, stage for a while while you guys <laughs> fire weapons. That's the like, thing. Like, at least have to kill you. Like, he's Was he enjoying the show being like, too bad I'm going to have to dig into this <laughs> woman. <laughs> You're hitting on a lot of points in this movie. I want to continue to talk about I want to, but you guys are talking about Bruce. I want to mention Bruce real quick. And I agree with Travis. I never really questioned Bruce in this role. He'd already had, you know, he'd had a bogus go after Color of Night in 94, but then he did Pulp Fiction, which obviously kind of returned him to prominence. But the yeah, early was, 90s were a wash for him. And I thought it was actually impressive that he took this role because if you had read the script and you looked at all the shit that was going on, You'd be like, oh, my God, this could be a massive flop. Like, I could see someone saying, I don't want to do this movie. It looks like it could be one of the big flops of the year. Well, that's one of the funny things about how he ended up being in this movie is that, like, they didn't even consider him necessarily. They knew they wanted a big star, but they didn't consider him because they thought, like, he would just be too expensive and they're spending all the money on the budget. But then he just kind of... But yeah, but then, then they just kind of happen to run into each other. And so he's like, well, fuck it. I'll just pitch it to him and tell him, see what he thinks. And and Bruce was on board from the start and said that he would take a pay cut, which he did. He was just, he just thought that it sounded fun to go shoot this movie with with, with Jean-Paul Gaultier doing uh, the costumes with with Luc Besson, like being in England and France. And you and you can tell that the dude's having fun through this whole movie. Like he he's like he has a different kind of attitude, I think, than he does in a lot of other movies. He, he generally Combo. seems to be yeah, uh, soul <laughs> crushing experience according to, to kevin smith um yeah this is not that like he, he genuinely seems like he's having a good time yeah I, I i love bruce willis but like i say it's like you you know what you're gonna get and then you just get that if you have someone who you've never seen do something like this before maybe an ethan hawk maybe uh like they're not or, taking or, chances elsewhere in this movie there's all kinds of weird shit going on in this movie one more maybe would have done it for me because it's just john mcclean light Chris Tucker's role in this film is we going there already. Yes, it's hilarious. He is so funny. I I don't know if you guys still have the same feeling, but he's he put himself out there. This is 97. He's coming off Friday and he had a bit role, obviously, in Jackie Brown. But he is doing very clearly, which is an effeminate, in my opinion, like this guy could be multisexual, pansexual. And that's he's got roses. He's got red roses all around his collar and like this. Which should be a man with breasts or somebody with breasts in the way it's designed, which is really fascinating. I love all that shit. But he is funny and fascinating. Quick twitch like he can do. Nobody can do what he can do, in my opinion. And I love him in this role. He's supposed to be gender fluid, which and he and he, that, that, I agree. I think it was brave for him to to do it. Um, Jamie Foxx almost got the role. But the person who really almost got the role that was supposed to go to was Prince. And yeah. Prince supposedly uh, like met with Jean Paul Gaultier. He was like saw the costumes and his face fell, and he like left the meeting, and and that was it. And supposedly there was a scheduling conflict, but it really sounds like I mean he told Chris Tucker later that he could that he couldn't handle those outfits. I think, and he never would have been able to do what Chris Tucker did anyway. So. Well Absolutely done. It not. All he, out. he would not have. Yeah, it worked out for the best. I don't think Jamie Foxx would have quite pulled it off either. The, the screaming, the shrieking that he's doing. <laughs> Although there <laughs> well, are moments where play- I'm like, 
I, there are moments <laughs> where I'm like, what the fuck is this character saying? I have no idea. <laughs> no, I agree it, with you. it always amazes me how people can talk about Jar Jar Binks being the most shrill, oh, horrific character in the history of movies. And yet they're totally fine with uh, Ruby Rod. If I have an interview that's like the most important interview of my entire life, I'm going to make sure that I make my phone alarm be just like Chris Tucker's dialogue or anything about Chris Tucker in this movie from now on. I'm sorry. Critics, audience didn't like it in 97. I, I cannot tolerate it. It's it, it, it's too much for me, you guys. Well, okay. well, that's okay. It's too much for you. Oh, By the oh, way, co- Jamie Foxx did play uh, Lawanda, which was uh, he dressed up as a woman on Living Color. So maybe they thought it would translate to that. But you're right. It still worked out for the best. I think it's a great performance. I still think it's funny. I love Chris Tucker. I'm always going to love Chris Tucker. It's, to me, he never does any... Anything that I like, eh, that wasn't so great. He's a super talented guy. Look, we there is never one thing. In the, there's one thing in this movie I have a big question about with Chris Tucker's character, though, and that is, if you have that cone on your head, how do you perform cunnilingus standing up? It would just be <laughs> pushing into the stomach the whole time. This just wouldn't work. It's impractical. <laughs> yes, for a man active between people's legs so very often, that cone is very impractical. It's a really Really practical point. I would agree. And I, I saw a funny meme that said that um, Ruby Road is the original podcaster. Yes. <laughs> I love it, dude. I've been, I saw that too, man. And I've been preaching that ever since. I, this guy created podcasting and I love it. He should but get full credit. I do, have a, I do have a complaint about the movie, which is that like typically when you're watching a the movie screaming? like this. No. Um, although I, I kind of feel bad for the audience that he's just screaming into the uh, microphone for an <laughs> extended period of time. But the audience is clearly just the president. I mean, like, this is why in Joe Dirt they cut to the salon, where they cut to the the teenage girls. Like, this is why, like, uh, you know, I mean, you only see the president listening. This is supposed to be like the biggest show in the world, but like, you don't really get a sense that this is being or in, in the galaxy, I guess. But you don't really get the sense that this is being broadcast out and like everyone's listening to this because the only other like- time you do is that woman in the hotel who's uh, setting up Corbin's coat rack there when he needs a tuxedo she says oh ruby rod i just love his stuff that's the only time you get an additional well and in the beginning you have like um ruby road like ad on corbin's tv like at the very beginning so you do get a sense that he's like a celebrity but still like when all that's happening to me it just makes sense to like i don't know just cut somewhere where you get a sense that like the whole world is listening to this event take place it just seems like natural filmmaking but you know yeah it's small potatoes i i assumed it uh yeah it was it didn't really bother me but i was weird Gary Oldman is uh, weird in this movie, which is great. Gary Oldman because he talks like he's a like a southern uh, plantation owner in a way or something, or some type of businessman from the south who ends up running a conglomerate with a plastic thing on his fore, you know, side head for the fuck of it. I don't know what that has to do with anything. And when the blood runs down his head, is that the evil being showing that he has absolute power over anyone? And why is the evil being waiting if he could already create? a hole or some type of scab in Gary Oldman's forehead. Yeah, but there is no wound. Like, it's just bleeding out yeah. of nowhere. I actually have more questions about Mr. Shadow. Um, is this the most vague antagonist in film history? <laughs> <laughs> um, he, what is he like? The nothing and meets Unicron, but he, can, but he can talk and he, and like he, but he can communicate with people, but like, I don't know. It, it's just very strange. And then, and then when it ends, like he's sixty-two miles off of Earth, I'm like, that's really gonna fuck up the tides. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a just, lot of water either in that movie, which is also. I, don't know. I just found like, like, who? What is this thing? Who is this thing? What is the motivation here? Like, 
what is going what is happening here i don't know but we're never told i i a, 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 a lava planet calls gary oldman at some point uh, <laughs> Shoot first, ask questions well, later, Mr. President. He, I don't like uninvited guests. He, he only asked it for three times as much money. Like this fucking lava planet can produce some currency. So in in bringing up the ultimate, the great evil, you got to go back. We're all over the map. You got to go back to the beginning. Like, like what is this plot? Like the, the, the prologue for me right off the bat, like I checked in on this most recent view and I'm like, okay. Let's see what we got here. I could dig like the production design, Egypt, 1914. I'm on board. Even like Luke Perry. I'm like, all right, cool. Like we got him. Uh, and then the goof bots come in and it's like they take <laughs> the thing, like they take the thing for safe. I guess they keep it for safekeeping, but like the thing's not going to come back for 5,000 years. So like why do they even take it when it's only going to uh, – 5,000 when it's only going to come like, uh, like, like 200 or so, so years later? It comes every five thousand years, and that—that's three. Yeah, but it but it comes back in three hundred years. I thought it comes back in five thousand years. It comes it comes back in five thousand years inter five thousand year intervals, which is you know at at the point when they come in nineteen fourteen, it's been four thousand nine hundred. Or it's coming soon. It's it's well in three hundred years. It's been four thousand seven hundred years. When small piece of time when a five thousand year overall timeline, three hundred years ain't nothing. So it's time to get prepped and. That guy does a great job. You know, he keeps the key for safekeeping and he passes on the tradition. Blah, blah, blah. Luke Perry is getting six billing. Lights! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, the whole intro is, uh, it's fun enough. Be right. Those aliens, the Mandashawan are goof norts. And that's fine. Goof-norts. We jump ahead and we get right to the action. And Ian Holm shows up. And it's so great to see Ian Holm in this because he is one of the best parts of this movie. When he, <laughs> when he has Corbin show up with Lilu after they've had their little thing of the cab, and he realizes it's her, and he looks up really quickly. I love that. It's he's like, oh my god, it's really the fifth element. Everything my life has been waiting for to this moment is here, and he really it's, pushes that off on the screen. It's the fifth element. Um, right. There's a there's a moment early on in the screen on the movie where like the screen is shared by like John Neville, uh, Tiny Zeus Lister, <laughs> Brian James, and Ian Holm. I'm like, what a fucking mix. You get tricky in there later. This is one of the weirdest ensembles. I think in cinema history, like it's just so all over the map and it's cool. It, yeah. it works for the most part. And it's a healthy, diverse cast too, man. You got all kinds of people in this movie. I, I'm going to give a lot of credit to the casting at this time. It seems really balanced. We, everybody's represented. And that means something to me in 1997 when it might not necessarily be the case even today. Eric, <laughs> anyone seems like an yeah. obvious point for me to check in. Uh, okay. Tiny Zeus Lister, he's he's you know I'm a fan. Preston Bauer. Like, yeah, I I don't want an incident. Like how well is he? Can't give me another take here. I mean, the guy he's can't. Terrible. Act. This is he's like the thing with me. It's these goofy performances, and that's like number yeah, one right off the we bat. Got a black it's like, president though. It's I got, awesome. We just started this movie. Yep, great. He's black, and then like the the first like line from him is I I don't want it. Guy can't act, and the rest of the movie is just fucking these goofy supporting characters. You can laugh at him. But for me, I sit back and I'm like, I, I can't handle it. I can't take this seriously. I've always loved the casting, but I agree completely. He's fucking terrible in the role. Yeah, He's but he would actually make sense in a way. Like I could see as time goes on, people who are tall and big, I could, I could, I could sell it. But you're right, he's not very good in it. But he's still my tiny Zeus Lister, and he, this is you can, you not can, his you, Batman performance. He's all in one do room. that, but have like it's all in one sorry, room. Sorry, but like go with it. Be like, okay, shit. 
Tiny Zeus Lister can't act. What are we going to do? Ha- like, rewrite it on the set and have a supporting character be like, know that the pre- – like, change the president like some buffoon because, like, he uh, he seems like it because he's, he's an idiot. He had but they just, like, they just go with it. I, he had to I, fight for Lister, so I think that that was – he was probably not wanting to change too much. Um but uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's it's actually a pretty flimsy performance, and like he just basically stays in the same room. Other than w- the very end, he stays in one room. So it's clearly like he probably just showed up for like three or four days to sweat a lot because there's a lot of sweat coming out of Tony in this or Tom, uh, Tom in this movie. But um, things are up. They're up against it, man. Clock's ticking. The end <laughs> the of the world the, at some point. So. The goofbots, Luke Perry, like like uh, the goofbots didn't bother cats, me. It's like right off the bat, I'm like, what is this? What bothers me more is the Mangalores, or shall I say, <laughs> the scrolls? I mean, they're fucking scrolls. They talk about them being like, uh, like you know, in a diaspora across the galaxy, and they're shapeshifters. They're fucking scrolls, dude. Clearly, is a Marvel Marvel fan, but. I do think it's really cool that the people inside those costumes, like there was no CGI going on. Everybody had to interact with these big rubbery things and they had to put like monitors in there so that like the people in the cameras, so the people inside those, like the Mangalore things could actually see what they're doing. Um, You know, there's a lot of attention to detail. Supposedly there's only like two CG shots in the whole thing. A lot of what we think is CG is actually uh, miniatures and stuff. And I think that's partly why the, the special effects really hold up very well. Ton, tons of miniatures and hour, months and months set up creating all those models. And uh, you mentioned the comic thing, though. The I didn't know this. So I learned about this, which was great. The the cartoonist who did Valerian, who created Valerian, Jean-Claude Mezere, I believe, uh, in which they actually did the movie in 2017 that Luc Besson directed, Valerian mm-hmm. and the Thousand Planets. Which no one uh, saw. Which, yeah, I, I'm actually going to see it now. I'm actually curious about it because I didn't know about this background because apparently Star Wars stuff was also kind of lifted from Jean-Claude Mezere's Valyrian comics in the mm-hmm. 70s. It's a French comic. Nobody would know about it in America. And I looked into this and there's some legitimacy to it. But credit to Luc Besson because he went to Jean-Claude and got him paid and based some of his stuff and ideas off the concepts to fit into this film. So kudos to Luke on that. That's cool. And somebody who deserves to get paid should get paid. But there's a ton of fucking holes in this movie, man. And in particular, I get really bummed out with the scene on Flust in Paradise. You already Ugh, mentioned the the hole, the hole in the diva, which is very convenient. And then the fact that all the things that happen after that, with the part where he has to go kill the lead Mangalore, if you kill the leader, they'll all give up. He just walks out with something behind his back, something, oh, what? and he just keeps walking towards him and then shoots the guy right in the head. Okay, cool. It's all good now. And it's, that was a weak-ass way to end that scenario, in my opinion. Dude, it really bothered me. Worse than that, even, is um, during the the fight between Lilu and the Mangalores in the, the opera singer's uh, room while she's mm-hmm. singing that whole, that whole sequence, like... I mean, I get that the, this is this. <laughs> yes, that exactly. Um, but I, I get that this happens a lot in movies, and maybe it's not fair to pick this out. But like more so than most movies, I really notice like she's fighting one, the others stand back and patiently wait their turn to get punched in the face. Like one by one, they just stand. Like they don't even raise their arms in defense. They're just like getting punched in the face. I'm like, this is this is not a fight scene. This is just someone fighting rubber puppets. Like beating up, like taking their anger out of puppets. <laughs> you've got, oh, you, you've got an, an auditorium and an entire hotel full of attendees for this show. I, I, just random yeah. dude playing a ukulele, passing Mozart's out distant cousin, and you gotta create this <laughs> right? whole subplot about him winning this contest. And like, who gives a fuck about this contest? Like, 
great. He's just there. Just like ship him there. Well, have him be random guy. The contest serves a purpose because it makes it so that everybody knows that he's going. So it's a it's an impetus to get the other characters involved, like the Mangalores and stuff. Like, like that's why everybody shows up at the at the gate to like take his ticket, which apparently they don't use ID in the future. But a bigger question I have is like if you're traveling from Earth to uh, Floston and um, to space travel, like the stewardesses put you to sleep for that journey. How then, when you're coming back from Floston to America, does it take less than two hours to get to, from Floston to Egypt and you don't have to go to sleep? You hit What's on it. You hit on my Game of Thrones. <laughs> worse than Game of Thrones time worse than Game of Thrones. manipulation in this movie. Yeah. I mean, it's literally Ridiculous. less than two hours. They go from a distant planet to Egypt in less than two hours. <laughs> I know. If we're running out of time. we got to get to Egypt on the on ASAP. Okay, cool. Let's go. <laughs> okay, we're there now. Now what? Oh, we have one match left, too. One match. One Don't match. Breathe. Matches in the future. There isn't, like, things that automatically create fire. Get the fuck out of here. You start <laughs> looking at this movie more and more and more, and there really is a lot of dumb shit that you can start picking apart. And sure, like, the fight scene that you mentioned, Travis... I'm sure they didn't think in the future, or maybe they should have. I don't think people think about that when they make movies, that we'll be able to slow down video even more and more. And more than ever, there's YouTube videos dedicated to it where we can see just awful fight scenes or things that are blatant mistakes because we can slow things down and look at them. And I completely agree with that. It's just it's a lot of bad action in this movie, really bad action. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, we got like so, 10 more minutes, so uh, where else do we go with this trash? <laughs> So the character of Lilu, I, I haven't seen this in 20 years. I always remember, for some reason, I, I at least recall them, she being super important and not just in the past, last two minutes, but to the film, like, what what is this character? Like, what is she doing the entire time? Why is she the supreme being? Like, like what what is the point of this character? Blah, 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 blah. And why is she? She's like just hot and annoying the entire time. Sorry. But like, I, I just no, don't get no, it. no, 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 no. Wait a minute. No, I'll give her no, credit for no. when she goes up in the cab the first time when she falls through and she meets Corbin Dallas. And you she's mean like, when Corbin Dallas is is just attracted to her then and then for the entire of the uh, film just because she's hot? Please help. And she's crazy. I, I thought help. I thought it, <laughs> I thought it would have been more effective she's like crying and really desperate for his help but the music that's playing underneath it we haven't even talked about a lot of the music in this film the music that's playing underneath that scene is like it's so fucking weird and off base and you know a bigger question i have is like you know corbin's like he, he's like a retired major his life is kind of in the shitter but like he's it's his own now but things have not gone great he's only got five points left on his license before he loses his entire livelihood and this woman falls in and like he's like he's i'm, I'm gonna evade the police which by the way like wouldn't the police have that thing really secured like if they're gonna attach the two cars to one another like wouldn't it be all the time that the car that's being arrested would just drive off and it just pulls that whole winch with it anyways. Um, but so he decides to do that and like totals his car and like does all this stuff for this woman. I'm just like, this only makes sense because for the plot, like there's, there's really no, like they don't do, there's no, I'm not convinced that he, that who, why would he do this? And if he did do it, why, why wouldn't he do it from the start? Why does he get like, go through all those motions where he's like, yeah, okay. Like I can't, sorry. And then, like, you know, I don't know. It just didn't. It just doesn't make sense that anyone would, would do that. <laughs> and I, uh, by the way, real quick, Vin Diesel auditioning for his Groot role as Finger on the phone in this movie. Oh, all right. 
<laughs> well, I, I I see him like uh, helping her only for the reason why I've got a lot of issues with this reason when it comes to the um, the mis- misogyny of the entire picture. It's because she's hot, and then it comes the first time you see him in the movie, he just wants this perfect woman. That's all he cares about is a perfect woman. And this model shows up in his car and he he decides to help. This could be like the mass murder of the century. And he helps her just because she's gorgeous. There's this weird and frankly gross objectification of women in the entire film. And I'm not normally the ob- objectification of women type of guy. But she's also the lead. She's a female lead, oh, which is cool. Yeah, okay, so ma- so make, her more, something, dude. So make her more interesting. We've got Corbin searching for a perfect woman that will shut up, unlike his mother. And be hot, or at least <laughs> someone that he's interested in. Literally, every woman on the in the service industry is made only to serve the male gaze. I don't want to be this guy, but I have to be. Yeah, you're right. Movie and the supposed savior parades are around in, in its entirety, wearing only these strips of masking tape, and has to be put in heavy makeup immediately before she can even be told what her mission is. I have a problem with that. I mean, it's a French film and I get it. So females are going to be regulated to pretty dim-witted toys immediately because it's made in France. But this is ridiculous. And and nobody talks about this in the reviews or in anything since 1997. No, I think you're right. I think it's connected to the fact that you have... You know, a significantly older director with a much younger, with, you know, the age gap isn't really a big deal, but there's still like a very like, you gotta, I mean, it's just kind of weird. Like you got this married dude and like he like takes this young actress and like holds up with her for four months to like have these to teach her this divine language. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's, it's a little weird to me, but, I, but also since I'm of the opinion that Mia, Mia Jovovich is a perfectly pleasant and normal looking endomorph i guess like um you know like she doesn't do anything for me so like so for the whole movie for it constantly to be like oh i know she's so perfect she's so even as a kid i'm like no she ain't she ain't no monica bellucci but here's (laughs) here's here's the problem i have with this movie um and again like this is something that billions of movies have done so like it's not maybe not that fair to single this out but like Towards the end of the movie, she does serve one function in this movie. She has one role in this movie. That's to be the fifth element. You just got to stand there and be the person with these four th- when these four things turn on. All you got to do is stand there and be you. But instead, she gets on Wikipedia, but just the Google image search, I guess, and decides that like humanity is not worth saving because she got to debut. Uh-oh. Not really getting any contextualization of the history there because it's all just images. Um, but like so she's and so she, you know then she's thrown into like some sort of catatonic panic or something and she's not able to like you know because she's so upset and depressed with the world or whatever like okay that's all very tedious but here's the issue that i have when like she has to be convinced to stand there and do the the whole thing that she's been fighting for for the whole movie she has to con- be convinced to go stand there and do it and the thing that convinces her is that romantic love exists did you know that without romantic love, humanity is not worth saving? Did you know I that this know is that. this is the one reason why humankind exists? This is the only redeeming point of all of humanity. We're a complete loss except for the romantic love. I'm like, fuck huh. Christ, man. Like, enough of this shit. I don't know. It just bugged me. It just bugged the shit out of me. Well, I didn't know that. That's news to me. Thank you. It's uh, important. It's important to know. Without romantic love, all life is not worth living. So that's well, that's, that's apparently the best of a apocalypse. So what do I know? I, I've never been there. I've never had to like that last match. You know, I never had to kiss a woman <laughs> to save humanity. What do I know? I don't know shit. With her, with Eric, her permission only, though. 
Eric, you're muted though. Eric, you're just talking and no one can hear you, by the way. Or something happened. You blew it. You're not even muted. We can't hear you. Anyways, uh, we're getting close to the end of this, though. We're about to wrap it up. we got to come to our conclusions on does it hold up or not. Though You're on. These are great points, you guys. The last two points you just made are probably some of the most uh, concrete and well-founded points that are challenges to this film and whether or not it'll hold up. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how we close this out because it's fun. John Paul Gaultier, we, we, we mentioned it, but we really didn't cover all the clothing and the, yeah. the futuristic look of everything with those uh, <laughs> the, teal, those... those uh, <laughs> no, the, the police helmets with the completely impractical, like, dual visors that cover your eyes so that you can't see yes! shit. <laughs> we both watched Dread, and I immediately thought of Dread ripoffs and Robocop ripoffs from those yeah. two. Thank yeah. you for your cooperation. That's yeah. total Robocop. You think you can fool me? I know Robocop, Lucas. On Come on now. Here's, a, here's another weird thing happening in this movie. Like, in this movie... Um, the military are like vaguely goodish guys, um, but the um, but the uh, the poli- police are like these like uh, jackboot like henchmen. Like they're just like constantly like you know what I mean. Like they're just like be avoid the police. They're like the the the, the minions. Right. Yeah, the military looked like they like throw parties and shit and hang out with their collars open. Yeah, we're right. just the military, and then the police are much more hardcore. That's right. They're like stormtroopers, but like, like, and like every character must avoid them. They're never doing anything good. I don't right. know. It's, it's kind of weird. And why does that guy show up to Corbin's front door to rob him just for the fuck of it? Like, is that a daily moment in the life of Corbin Dallas? And he's got that yeah, weird hat on with the art picture on it. You do get that impression with that, you know, he, he's like taking people's guns and putting them in that. I think I actually really like that little moment. I think that's pretty funny when he takes the gun and puts it in that delivery. Well, that thing proves you never know what people like in movies because it's just it's a weird world out there. <laughs> this this movie has fun at times, but we've pointed out so many holes that it really starts to question it. And when you look at the greater picture and scope of what Eric and you pointed out here towards the end yes. of the movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Where's the elephant? Uh, Everything was going so well. What happened? No, I'm back. But like, Travis, you bring up so many great points. I mean, the movie is the fifth element. And for me, it should be, it should have so much more to do with this central character, which is Lilu. It's one of my biggest problems with the film. Like, she tags along for two hours. At the end, she just has to show up and so she can open the thing. And like it, it's it's only because Corbin's attracted to her that he loves her, in my opinion, and kisses her and makes her think that, you know, love will maybe make her willing to save the world. And <laughs> if that's like what you need to do to be able to, you know, protect millions of people. But it's it, it's not enough. Like what if Le- what if Lilu looks like 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 Ricky Lake? She seems like a sweet person. But like, do we have the same thing happening? Like. It's this physicality horseshit thing that that does not sit well with me. And Lilu doesn't do enough. She should have more powers in the beginning to make her more interesting than just be hot Jar Jar that tags along for two hours until she has to eventually show up at this thing. I got a big problem with it. Well, look, she's valiant, but she's vulnerable, but she's also very beautiful. The V's. (laughs) That's pretty much all she does. But I'm not really. the, The valiance does seem to be last on the list of things yes, that does. she does <laughs> all right let's close this out let's call it let's make the final ruling on this travis roy why don't you go first this week it's your movie or are you supposed to go last i don't care uh, it doesn't, doesn't matter, matter i guess 
I mean, nothing I, matters. I'll go first. Uh, I'll go first. I don't think I've gone first in a minute. So yeah, The Fifth Element. It's a movie I've watched a million times, a million, million, million times over and over again. It's an easy watch because you don't have to think too much. But when you start thinking about the film, then suddenly <laughs> questions start to rise. And I guess I was pretty dormant for about 15 or so years because when I watched it with the lens that we have created through this show, suddenly reality struck me. And boy, there is a lot of bogus shit going on in this movie. <laughs> It's not it's not as funny as it used to be to me either. Uh, you know, Bruce Willis, the more I know about him and his time has worn on in this life, Bruce Willis is less enjoyable to me, unfortunately. And whether all of it's true or not, I trust people that I've relied on for entertainment for decades that I still believe in. And he kind of just buns me out now. And I feel like he's an egomaniac, kind of a dickhead. So it, that bums me out. And Mia Jovovich is not somebody I've ever pined over in any way. I, she's a woman in this world. Good for her. She's made a life for herself. I've never seen any of the Resident Evil movies. I don't care about that stuff. So I don't have any connection to her other than Days of Confused in this movie, really. And uh, I actually thought she was pretty decent when given opportunities peppered into act. I thought she was actually pretty solid, to be honest with you. But as Eric and you have Eric really laid out, those are few and far between. So in the end, it looks bright and colorful and i will give credit for the movie being a non nightmarish constantly depressing sad futuristic world which is one of his intentions luke Besson's attention so i'll give him credit for that making it more light but the music doesn't match up and a lot of things that happen are super super convenient where it'll really bother you if you start digging into this film and though i've enjoyed it over the years it does not hold up wow 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 yeah. I, I think I might I might have to go next, Travis. Let me have you cap it off as the person who brought it to the table. And clearly, it it's still strikes a nice core with you. For me, sorry, no, grab the anvil. Grab very the, obvious for you, how you felt since the beginning. Go ahead. Yeah, Don't no hold secrets. back. <laughs> grab the Advil because this is a relentlessly insipid, migraine-inducing nonsense. Uh a colossal failure of the highest order. Uh, uh, the director apparently wrote this in high school, and it completely shows shallow characters, shallow motivations, dumb dialogue. It's like uh, it's like when a kid tries to make like the perfect breakfast, and it's like a bunch of like shit covered in sprinkles and ketchup and chocolate and cheese sauce. But it look it looks fun, but it's inedible and needs to be thrown away immediately. I admire the overall. Uh, like prodigiousness of the entire film. It is epic in scope, but that means nothing to me. The original, the, the relative originality is I can admire, but that's about it. Doesn't hold up. It never did, in my opinion, man. I can't handle this movie. Never could. So, yeah, so you never liked it in the first place. So this was not one that was going to hold up for you. Um, Mike's uh, take, I find interesting. Yours, I find like, you know, like just because I, I I kind of had a feeling that you didn't like it before I even chose it, but that, uh, there's been plenty of films I didn't like before that I come to like. This just isn't one of them, right? Um, yeah. So this is uh, this film is a much beloved film, uh, and over the years, and I do think that there's a reason. I, I think that there is uh, something unique here um, in the presentation of these different characters different alien species different like uh environments like there's there's something to be said about the miniatures and the and the work that was put into this um 
I can definitely see why people would return to this over the years and, and, and find a lot to enjoy in it. Um, I do think that like, you know, there is there, as we've, as we've addressed, there's a lot of holes. There's a lot of things that maybe don't line up very nicely. Um, but, uh, it's entertaining as hell, but it does fizzle out towards the end. Um, the, that third act I've always felt is a little rough and a little rushed. Um, at the end of the day, though, I'm going to say that just barely I'm going to give it a, it holds up, um, which was pretty much my plan in the first place. But I'm definitely glad extra now that you both said that it doesn't hold up. I think that I think that there is um, I think that there's value here. I think that you've not, if you've not seen it, like I hadn't seen it in you know close to 20 years, um, then uh, I think that you should watch it again. Cause there's, there's, it's fucking bonkers. I mean, it's so weird and funny and, and colorful, but that being said, like, you know, you can go ahead and get that Lilu tattoo covered up now. Like it's not that great a film. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, <laughs> it's all right. But um, I, there is a reason why the cosplay is what people talk about more than, or, you know, what we see more than anything else. This, this movie um, is fun, but uh, maybe there's a reason, a good reason. I mean, I'm glad they didn't go back for sequels. Cause I don't know if there, if there was that much meat left on the bone. Hmm. Well, there you have it folks. A wild conclusion of this one. The fifth elements in the can does not hold up by a two to one margin borderline three, but not quite fascinating conclusion to this one. I got to tell you, that's why we do the show because you never know what we're going to say at the end, regardless of what we go through during the middle and the beginning of the show, there's always a fascinating conclusion to the cinema nine <laughs> podcast. Thank we're you Travis, for choosing this one. This is definitely one that brought out a lot of content, Travis. So it was definitely a choice worth uh, reviewing and I learned something about a movie that I'd seen a lot that I hadn't really considered before. And if that's not worthwhile, I don't know what is. <laughs> Having said all that, next week's movie, Eric Branstrom is exhausted. You should see his face right now. If you're listening to the <laughs> podcast version, he is he has gone through it today. Eric, do you think you're up to maybe sharing next week's movie? I, I I'm sorry. You guys knew I was wrought with anxiety because I knew you guys were I had a big feeling you guys were both gonna love the fifth element and I'd have to yet again not quite as bad as the almost famous episode which nearly sent me back into therapy but I knew I would just have to be defending myself and then apologizing later oh yeah that was rough we have such a different takes like different approaches to this podcast you and I and Mike I mean I think me and Mike are more of the same I'm uh, hoping <laughs> that's why maybe people like it but I, I haven't heard anything yet but yeah uh <laughs> Next week, you know, man, I've been I've had this in my back pocket for a long time. And I think it's time Wild to pull time. it out. I was gonna uh I was gonna bring out a big summer fucking blockbuster from the fucking nineties that I I'm not feeling right now, you know. I think it's time to di dissect a picture from two thousand two that you don't hear anything about nowadays, but you definitely heard a lot about when it came out. For many reasons, it was uh, on the indie circuit when, you know, independent films were just starting to come back after the 90s waned. They were starting to make a big impression, even amongst some of the bigger pictures. And, and this was one of them. And I think it talks a lot about interconnectivity and privacy in a way that 
deserves to be investigated here in 2021. Uh, Mark Romanek's film One Hour Photo, I, we're going to take a look at. It's a good call. It's a good call. It's been on my short list. Mike looks Mike, like you're. Th- <laughs> and my initial response is that. I'm not really sure why it is. I guess I'll have to look inward and figure it out. But cool. No, it's a. I've seen it. I've definitely seen it. I think I've seen it a few times, but I, I haven't seen it in a long time. It's one I think I only watched once. So I'm ready to, you know, I think it's a good, yeah. I think it's a good call. Yeah, it's a good call. It is. D- disregard my initial response. There's no. <laughs> I won't be able to. I'll be texting you in about ten minutes. <laughs> uh, time to schedule that uh, that therapy session, I guess. After all. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, bada boom, bang, boom. Bang. Yeah, bada boom. <laughs> well, it's a bada boom edition of the Sit Up and Nine Pod. Next week we'll yeah. do one hour photo. Another blonde haired lead, which is slightly annoying, but hey, you know, we'll do it. Well, what, can I tell what, we could, what we could do instead is uh, spend the entire episode next time just discussing Gary Oldman's soul patch, since we didn't discuss that at all this this episode. Should we do that? You guys down? You got off light, Gary. You got off light. I'll you tell you that much. got off light. Good call. Uh, all right. Well, that's it. We did a good show. Thanks, guys. Travis, good selection. It was an interesting movie to break down. I hope you guys enjoyed it and learned something. Send them an iPod at ProtonMail.com is our email, but don't email us. Five-star review. We'd love it. If you enjoyed anything from this show... Pop on Apple Podcasts and give us a five star. And uh, I think that'll close it up, right, guys? Are we good? Multi pass. Bye bye. See you later. Me.